Hi, this is Rachel on Recovery. We've got a special guest with us, Christine Jeffries. She's here as a professional counselor to tell us a little bit about herself and her experience working with um, the clients that she has that are dealing with trauma. Well, as I got started in my counseling role, I realized that every client I dealt with had some sort of trauma. Um, So I began all of my CEUs in taking extra certifications on trauma, and I also got EMDR certified so I could be of better assistance to my clients. Um, What is the biggest pattern you've seen in trauma? I don't know that I would see a pattern so much as... um, You know, every pattern is different with each person depending on the level of trauma that they've experienced and the type of trauma. Um, So I would say that everybody has something and they have come up with maladaptive coping behaviors to deal with it. For example, if someone, um, if their parents fought a lot, uh, were very violent in their fighting with the children around. So that client might have... Um, gone and hid to avoid the fighting. So later on in life, when conflicts arise, they go and they hide, um, which served them very well as a child to avoid their parents fighting, but not so much as a grown up in relationships. Um, What advice would you give people dealing with trauma? Own it and go and get help. Start working on it. Um, The people who traumatized you, the people that did the bad things, they're not suffering. You're suffering. So own it and go go get the help you need so you can live a normal, productive life. Um, What is the biggest challenge of working with trauma patients? Hmm. I would say there's a lot of shame, um, especially depending on the type of trauma, um, and admitting it. I'll have... You know, 40-year-old clients come to me and say, this is the first time I'm ever sharing this, and this is something that happened to them when they were five years old. Um, so, yeah, definitely a lot of shame, a lot of time building that rapport before they're willing to open up about it. So the longer that that takes, the, the longer the healing process takes. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Um, the shame part or the shame part the shame part um well depending on the trauma um you know especially if it's a a sexual trauma there's a lot of shame about that um you know our society doesn't always handle that well um frequently the people who perpetrate that are family members or close friends of the family um and so they might not want to share that and somehow a lot of victims of trauma tend to blame themselves for the trauma. And most of the time, it's not anything that they've done. Um, what has been the most rewarding and rewarding part of your job working with trauma patients? Mm-hmm. I would say when they get that aha moment, um, you know, as I said, depending on the, the type of trauma, but working with a, a rape victim, when they finally have that aha moment and realize it was not my fault. Or when they get to that point where the trauma's not impacting them, we've managed to minimize its effects and they can, you know, start dating again or start having healthy relationships. 
um, when you see that that turning point. Um, what is your favorite mental illness caused by trauma to work with and why? Oh, well, hands down, my favorite mental illness is bipolar disorder. Um, and that's just a personal favorite. Um, you never know what you're going to get. Um, I've worked with lots of bipolar patients. Um, some of them, it is triggered by trauma. Some of them, it's triggered by drug use. Some of them, it's totally genetic. Um, so, um, and you said it was genetic, um, do you think that there's a little bit of generational trauma tied to your bipolar patients? Uh, I would say there's totally separate things. Um, bipolar disorder is a genetic um, passed down thing. Um, so if you have a parent or family member with bipolar, you're more likely to be bipolar. Um, and trauma, it can be a family thing. Sometimes the traumas, though, are completely not related to family. You know, sometimes that happens as an outside incident. So, you know, I would say there is there is some trauma that carries on in a family. You know, physical abuse, sexual abuse, that does tend to be passed down. Um, but sometimes trauma happens by a total perfect stranger. Um, okay, what is your least favorite mental illness caused by trauma and why? Um, borderline personality disorder, hands down. In the biz, we call it asshole disorder. Um, there's no fix for it. There's no medicine. Um, there is no cure. They have to want to get better. They have to want to change um, because it's a behavioral disorder. Behavioral disorders are created, not genetic. So, you know, bipolar, schizophrenia, depression, they all show up on a brain scan. Personality disorders, they do not. Um, and borderlines are very manipulative and frequently are not in therapy to get any kind of help. So they're frequently wasting my time and manipulating me or the people that in their lives that care wanting them to get help. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience with borderlines? <laughs> um... I used to work in a facility, they, uh, they called it a clubhouse. Um, the staff and patients were of equal footing. They, um, we would do things together, vocational rehab and different things, work in the kitchen um, is where I was. Um, and yeah, we had a borderline client who would cozy up to staff members and uh, try and get you to do things for him. Um, he had a staff member that he would call at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning because she gave him her personal cell phone number. A big no-no. Um, and then later reported her for this, that, and the other. And he'd be all nice to her, bringing her gifts one day, and then the next day he would call with a bomb threat on the building. And we'd all have to evacuate, even though we knew nothing would come of it. But have to be safe. So just very manipulative. How has working with trauma patients affected your own mental health? Hmm. Well, when I was early in the biz, I would take it home. Um, I would let that really affect me, and I would carry that with me. 
um, to the point where I got this thing they call trauma fatigue um, or compassion fatigue. Um, so when friends or family would have something going on with them, you'd be like, I'm sorry, I worked with a bunch of people who had way worse things than that, so that doesn't even scratch the surface. So you just had no sympathy left for anybody. Um, and yeah, you're just kind of worn out. And I would wake up in the middle of the night worried about certain clients um, who were going through particular things. So yeah, no, it's really tough. So you have to learn to distance it. Um, leave the work at work. I can only help people as much as they're willing to do the work. I can't do more work in the therapeutic relationship than they are doing. It just doesn't work. Um, what are some of the more effective therapies for patients? With trauma? Yes. Uh, EMDR has been shown to be particularly effective. Um, the data they have on PTSD in particular has been just phenomenal. Um, so that is why I went and got my certification in EMDR. And it has been very rewarding. Um, the progress that we're able to make with EMDR is just phenomenal. Um, there's also biofeedback and neurofeedback, which I have not gotten into yet. Um, and, you know, it's good old-fashioned talk therapy, but that can take a lot longer. So we're making progress. Okay. Um how about any of the other types of non-traditional therapies, such as art therapy, yoga, etc.? Oh, no, those are all great. Um, I frequently encourage my patients to do yoga in tandem with what we are doing. Um, it's hard to find art therapy, um, but it is a great modality um, for trauma. Sometimes we can create, um, paint, mold, sculpt, etc., the feelings that we cannot express verbally. I know you do some play therapy. Tell me a little bit about that with trauma. Um, well, my my little kiddos, um, you, they have to be at least four. Um, kids aren't going to come up and say, I am traumatized because this happened to me. That's not how kids operate. Um, kids show us what's going on through their play. Um, so we play. And um, I reflect back at them what they're doing. And uh, I start to look for patterns in their play. And they will emerge eventually as they become more and more comfortable. You'll see patterns in their play. Um, I find it's very important when working with children to include the families. The child is not the broken thing, you know. They're part of a family unit. And unless you address all of the family, you're doing the child a disservice. Um... What have you had to do um, any testifying as a counselor on behalf of children? I do that very rarely. I try really hard not to do that. Um, I have only had to testify in court once. Hope to not have to do it again. Okay. Um, which of all the therapies you mentioned do you think is the most effective? Mm. I'm going to say that depends on the person. Um, you know, if, if that person is, um, disassociating a lot, EMDR is not going to be effective. Um, and they might want to check out biofeedback or neurofeedback. Um, I personally don't know the data difference between that, which is most effective. So 
Um, if I have a client who's not making progress with what we're doing or if they disassociate, I do refer them to other modalities. Okay. Um, so uh, anything else you would like to add, Christine? Um, trauma's a tricky thing. I would say that everyone out there has experienced some version of trauma, even if it's as mild as, you know, being bullied in school. Um, you know, just a couple incidences of that can even be traumatic and something that stays with you to, you know, complex, long-lasting, you know, childhood trauma that just endures. So, I mean, there's all different kinds of trauma out there. So don't feel alone. I mean, everybody's got something. And if you don't, if you think that they're normal and they've got their lives together, I would say you just don't know them well enough yet. So what made you get into trauma? Oh, well, my family is a little bit crazy. And so I think in order to understand my family and the dynamic, um, understand my parents, I went into psychology. Um, I didn't have a clear path to counseling at the beginning. That just kind of fell into place. Um, I was a caseworker for a while, and I realized this is not a job for an old person. You know, <laughs> this is not something I can carry on with. So, um, you know, I looked at the people above me in other positions and I'm like, ah, that counseling stuff looks good. And I actually didn't think I wanted to go into private practice. I worked in psych hospitals for several years before that. Um, and no, I just kind of fell into my niche, so to say, so... Well, tell us about the psych hospitals and like the traumatized patients that are institutionalized that the rest of the world doesn't see or hear about unless they're related to it. Well, um, to be admitted to a psychiatric facility, you have to have either suicidal ideation or homicidal ideation. That is wanting and planning to hurt yourself or others. Those are the only two reasons that you can be admitted. Um, and a lot of people don't know this, once you're admitted to a psych hospital, the only way out is a judge's order or a psychiatrist order. Um, a lot of people think I sign myself in, I can sign myself out. That is not true. You can sign to go AMA, but uh, the doctor has uh, 48 hours to respond um, to whether or not they release you. So beware. Um, but no, I would say the people in the hospitals, they're for the most part, very, very broken people. They are in a bad spot. You know, they are in an emergency situation. You know, just like if your appendix ruptures, they're having a mental health emergency. You know, their brain is just not doing what it needs to do for them. And they are in crisis. So. Well, do you think we've gotten better as a society with mental health? Oh, we've made huge strides, um, but I think we still have a long way to go. Do you have any ideas how we can make people more informed about mental health in general? Well, I think the more people that are comfortable and open up with friends and family, um, a lot of times people won't open up until it happens to one of their friends. Their friends will be like, well, I tried to kill myself or, well... I, you know, I was sexually assaulted. Well, then all of a sudden, their friends say, well, you know, that happened to me too. The Me Too movement, you know. Um, 
So I think the more people that are just saying, hey, this happened to me, um, and being open about it. I mean, obviously you don't want to shout it from the rooftops, but being open about it with your close friends and family so that if that happens to them, then they feel comfortable saying that to you. Um, well, Christine, would you say that a uh, majority of trauma is processed? happens in childhood or adulthood or is it a domino effect from childhood oh well that's a loaded question um trauma can happen to anyone at any time i would say children are probably more vulnerable than other people um they don't have the ability to say hey that's not okay and as children you know the house we grow up in the people we are surrounded by we assume that's what's normal so you know kids aren't going to notice the red flags, so they probably get away with traumatizing children better than other people. But, no, trauma can happen at any age and stage in life. No one's exempt. Um, how about we talk about uh, CPTSD and the difference between that and regular PTSD? I don't know. What is CPSD? Child, or complex child PTSD. Oh, complex child. Okay. Sorry, we don't, you don't use the acronyms. Um, there's really no difference other than it happens to a child. Um, you know, kids deal with things differently. People think children are very resilient, but they're not. They hold on to the stuff just as much as adults do. I would say, actually, the younger that something happens, the more long-term effects they're going to have than when someone is older. So. Okay. Um, any last thoughts or? No, no. I've enjoyed being on. Um, best of luck to you. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. You can follow me on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or LinkedIn. And you can always come to my website at www.rachelonrecovery.com. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time.